feel like I'm so flammy. I'm still so I'm still so congested and flammy. Yeah, my ears hurt. My jaw hurts. My tongue hurts. I don't you hate it. Does your tongue ever hurt? No. When you, you get, get sick, your tongue yeah. hurts. Uh huh. Never. It's painful. Really? Yeah. You must get swollen or something. Something. Well, I mean, it doesn't feel like it vol- voluminous. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like it, like it, like the sides, like when it touches your teeth and stuff, like it's painful. I have never experienced that when I'm sick. No kidding. Never in my That's life. That's one of the first signs for me is I get a sore tongue. Really? Uh-huh. I've never heard that before. Wow. Yeah, especially towards the back, like where your back teeth are, the very, uh-huh. very back, uh-huh. like right there, like where your tongue is, like it starts to get like sore. It's a real bummer. First, I want to welcome everyone to APIL Podcast, where all politics is local. I'm Mike Soupy. And I'm Carla Porter. So we're going to switch things up a little bit today. It's been quite a while since we posted an episode. As usual, you know, we're closely monitoring the news. It's roughly 6 p.m. here, Wednesday, February 1st, 2017. Did you say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit when you got out of bed this morning? No. Before you put your feet on the ground, so you'd have good luck all month. Did you? I forgot. Yeah, I didn't. I've never done it in my whole life, so. We talk about it every month. Yeah. And then don't do it. Should have reminded me yesterday. I think I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? Put it on your calendar. Reoccurring event. Yes. I love it. On the Googs. Calendar. Oh, man. The old Googs. The good Googs calendar. So how are we switching it up today, Carla? Well, we have identified a top ten. Yes. Top ten stories we're going to talk about. Yep. And then we're going to stop. We're not... I mean, that that is what we're going to talk about, ten stories. Yes. So we've... There are so many. The news is so blooming crazy right now. The volume of stories coming out is... Amazing. You know how sometimes you might say, like we have to think about in the olden days, when yes. you would say, oh, it must be a slow news day. Right. They're talking about this, or they're talking about like some fluff piece or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is so yesterday. No, our top 10 could have been a top 30. Easy. Easy. It was hard to decide yep, for sure what to put in the 10. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I have to say, I'm more excited about this particular session than I have been in a while. Because today, for a variety of reasons, personal and professional, we didn't do much jawing about the news. On purpose. Yes. We made a pact. Yes. To not so talk. So we're pretty much coming into this fresh raw. on our own opinions and how we feel about a lot of stuff. So Very raw. All we did was talk about the, the stories that we want to talk about, right. but we didn't talk about them. Yes. We have a lot of those tongue twisters today. We do. We have a lot of those tongue twisters to say, and I thought you were going to hit one. I thought you were going to hit on something right now when you said Sessions. Uh Uh-huh. What did you think I was going to hit on? Jeff Sessions? I thought you were going to talk about story number six. Well, Carla, the audience doesn't know our numbers. We could have just rolled into it as a story number one. I left the cat (laughs) out of the bag. 
So big news today. Jeff Sessions um, has been confirmed by the Senate Judiciary Committee. So with all of these cabinet appointments, there's this process where they each have kind of their own committee, Judicial Committee, Financial Committee, Appropriations Committee. So Jeff Sessions has been confirmed by the Senate Judiciary Committee, and it just so happens to be the first day of Black History Month. How do you feel about that, Carla? I feel like it's an episode of This American Life. How so? Coincidences. Oh, yeah. We love This American Life. We do. Yep. Yep. And we love many other podcasts that we'll talk about in the future, but... Ira Glass, if there's a chance on earth that you're listening to this episode, we faithfully listen to every one of yours. We do. As soon as they drop. Yep. Drop them like they're hot. Yep. So, the thing is, they did an episode... (laughs) On coincidences, mm-hmm. and actually, uh, Sarah Koenig was the host that week yep. instead of Ira. Yeah, and it was all about coincidences. Mm-hmm. If that would have been something that they would have taped today or tomorrow, they could have easily added this story. Yeah, doesn't it feel like more irony than a coincidence? Could be. I guess the, you know. I mean, I think the, well, it's irony. It's both. It's irony. Uh But it's also coincidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, after this whole, about two months worth of um, talk. Yep. About his appropriateness to, to be in this position. Yep. Has generated a lot of talk and stories about his past, his history. This phantom missing Martin Luther King's wife wrote this letter in the 80s about him and the letters found and definitely a lot of his stuff has very been very racially charged. It's been racially charged and, and a lot of activists, um, civil rights activists, and have made statements. Mm-hmm. They've... Uh, Protested. There, there's been a lot of activity. Congressional members, exactly, testified against yeah. him, and you mm-hmm. know it's almost unprecedented. I think it is unprecedented. Right. So, um, to have it, to have this confirmation hearing by the Senate Judiciary Committee on the first day of Black History Month, like the timing, that's to me the coincidence. Yeah, it's coincidental. It is. Yeah. I mean, you know, this week there's been so much news about the Attorney General. Trump had his first big you're fired moment as President of the United States. He fired this sitting Obama holdover. Yates. Yates, uh, who wouldn't, publicly said she would not enforce his, uh, for lack of a better word, ban, which leads us to one of our next stories. It's not a ban. <laughs> that was a good one. So, you know, she said publicly she's not going to enforce that ban. It's not a ban. <laughs> and uh do you, do you know why it's not a ban? No. It's not a ban because it's not a ban. It but the president started calling it a ban. Mm-hmm. According to the press secretary, 
Spicy Spicer. That's what I'm calling Spice. <laughs> he started calling it a band because he was mirroring the media. Uh-huh. So the media started to call it a band, so he was speaking their language. So he started using the word band. And then the White House staff, uh-huh. the underlings, yep. had to correct the, pre- the media and the president and say, it doesn't really matter what the president calls it. <laughs> it's not a ban. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I'm calling it a ban. It's not a ban. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I'm calling it that. Because I'm pretty sure at the rally, I heard him say it. Which rally? The one in Scranton. I'm pretty sure it was at Lackawanna College. And I think if I dig deep enough, I can find it, because I recorded his whole speech. Not that I'm going to go through the time to do that. Yeah, I think it's all like all over YouTube. I think when they covered the story all over the news last night, they were showing clips of him campaigning and saying, I'm going to create a comprehensive Muslim ban. A Muslim ban. Yeah, he campaigned on that. It's It's interesting. So, but, but I think, you know, the conservative media and conservatives in the public, people, voters, mm-hmm. um, feel like this is very nitpicky. This is really parsing words. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't really, it, it's just a time waster to really even talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because what they're really interested in is the fact that he campaigned on uh, higher security for the nation and that within his first two weeks in office he has enacted by executive order action mm-hmm. in order to provide um, higher security at the at whatever cost and some people will say that no cost is too high that we need to be there's this whole America first campaign and Mm-hmm. You know, we need to just think of ourselves before we think of other people. Well, that's all very interesting to hear their spin on it. I mean, I, I heard David Frum, who was a speechwriter for George W. Bush on CNN the other night, talking about the uproar over George W. Bush accidentally using the word crusade when he was giving a speech shortly after 9-11. I remember. And how it was big news. Because it was like, we're not in a crusade, George W. Uh, and that means major news. That's that's a really heavy word over there. Here, too. It's not like it's a holy war, right? And he was just saying about how, you know, you're talking know, about... Mike. I think that when people talk about the crusades here, they just imagine Christopher Columbus like coming to America because they don't know what it... They don't really realize. No, I think, I think enough people understand what it means. Anyway, the point is, you were talking about them parsing their words, how it's not that important what the president says. And this guy was just basically saying how it does matter what he says. And even though we live in this new reality where it's might like not a big deal, it's still a big deal. We're conditioned to take the lead of the way the president acts and speaks and thinks and all that stuff. Well, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, there's a big... A big blitz going on now. Listen, you know, he he talks this way. He says these things. 
Don't pay attention. Just pay attention to what he does. However, although there is a saying that actions speak louder than words, there's also a saying that words matter. Words hurt people. Sure. Words cause can cause trauma as well as a physical action can cause trauma. Sure. I mean, what you say matters. It scares kids. Mm-hmm. Makes people have emotions and feelings. Yep. Words are potent. They're very powerful. So part of the reason why they're not considering it a ban, a Muslim ban in particular, is because it doesn't ban all nations that have Muslim immigrants, Muslim people. However, one of the countries that it does keep out of America is Iran. Michael Flynn, the national security advisor, today put Iran on notice. Right. They did some type of a missile test. This whole thing goes back to... I am going to go back and listen to that Trump speech that I have. Because I feel like... And somebody was joking about it. We saw on Twitter. Who knew that the first politician to keep all of his promises was going to be Donald Trump? And I feel like if you... I'll admit it. I completely underestimated him. I didn't take him seriously as a candidate. And I thought his positions were so far out there, he was never going to be able to accomplish them. So far out of the mainstream, nobody would go for it. And not only did people go for it, well, enough to win by electoral college votes, but he basically has told you for years who he's going to be as president. And now we're all shocked that that's the guy he is as president. I am anyway. It's like I'm still not. They talk about President Trump on the news. And I'm still like, how could who's talking about President Trump? President Trump. It is a bit of an ear shocker. One of my first memories on Earth is watching an episode of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Robin Leach. Robin Leach. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Donald Trump. I remember it like it was yesterday, like a baby. Like, and I remember it. And now he's the president, President Trump. I remember being a kid, being like, who is this guy? Look at him. Who Look at this guy. Look at the life he leads. First of all, why does he even want to be president? It's all about the power, baby. I would just want to live in my, my gold mansion. Anyway, it's my two cents. Well, the tensions uh, between the Trump administration and Iran, you know, they were rising. They were escalating, right? Right. And what I meant before I got off on that tangent was that one of his main campaign things was this deal with Iran that Obama's administration had brokered, how it was a bad deal, it's still going to lead to them getting a nuclear weapon and X, Y, and Z, and now... You have to read between the lines to see that not only have we told Iranians, "Eh, you're not welcome in America, they're politically posturing with their toys and launching missiles, and he's basically where he told us he was going to be. Right. Well, you know, apparently it's a... uh you know, it's a threat of retaliation for recent the, this recent ballistic missile test, mm-hmm. and um, you know they're not in favor of the of the deal that the United States brokered with Iran. No, the nuclear weapons, the uranium deal. Is yeah, that what it was. Yeah, basically, we told them they could enrich uranium. 
But they couldn't produce... They're not allowed to weaponize it. Right, they're not allowed to weaponize it. And this administration is not in favor of that deal. So uh, now that they've put on this ballistic missile test, we've apparently made a threat of retaliation and consider it uh, destabilizing behavior across the Middle East. So that is a, I, that's definitely something on my radar to watch out for. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at, just consider, you know, the history in the last 20 years, Iran was kept largely in check by Saddam Hussein, right? Yes. So we went over and unseated Saddam Hussein. We did, based on we basically, faulty information. We basically broke the Middle East. Here we are however many years later. With the fallout. And we're still dealing with the fallout. If you take another trip around the Middle East, you end up in Yemen, which brings us to our next top story. President Trump, holy smokes, President Trump, uh, flew to the Air Force Base to meet the casket of a fallen soldier in what was his first, you know, uh, top secret mission. SEAL, Navy Mm -hmm. SEAL. I think... The optimistic way to look at it is that he so, um, he reveres the military and he reveres veterans and he reveres generals, um, that he just felt that it's a presidential thing to do. I hope that this is the purpose behind it. The reason behind it is that he just feels it's a president's duty to welcome home our fallen the other way to look at it is capitalizing. I, I would hope not. I, hope I don't not. even want to say it, yeah. to be honest with you, uh, that it's, you know, it's one it's something to put him in a really good light uh, because who, who can, no one can, no one can criticize the president for doing this. Well, I think you're right about that. It's a noble... My hope... And obviously the loss is unimaginable for this guy's family. My hope is that our president realizes how real the stakes are. Yes. Because he's campaigned on, we're going to bomb the hell out of them. You know, war is not a big deal for him, which is how he campaigned puffed out chest I know more than the generals and all that other nonsense and not even two weeks into his administration he's lost his first soldier and I hope if it comes to more losses while he's president he's willing to go there if there are more caskets and and I hope there aren't that's not really realistic most likely but yeah Oh my so, gosh, that's such a that's such a heavy. But you know, and they say they they're so quick to respond to the whole thing. Like they're saying that this action was planned by Obama's administration. That they were holding off the mission because they wanted a night with no cloud cover, so they could have good visibility with the moon. This operation happened at night. Uh, and you know, it turns out that the eight-year-old daughter of Anwar Al-Awlaki was also killed in this, eight years old. Her father was an American citizen 
who went to go be a part of Al-Qaeda. It was controversial when Obama's administration sanctioned killing him. I think he was killed in a drone attack, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, these things have real consequences. This isn't like I'm pushing the button and, ooh, boom, there's a big boom over there. Like, this is real. She's an eight-year-old American citizen. Obviously, maybe not necessarily, like, living as an American. She was over in Yemen. Like a dual citizen. Mm -hmm. But, you know... They're not really talking about that a whole lot in the news. No. And most people won't care. I care. Well, you're not most people. That's true. You're not most people. Yeah, it's tough. There there are a lot of moral, ethical dilemmas when it comes to conflict and war, no doubt about it. And, you know, many people, no matter how we feel about the... The Muslim non-ban mm-hmm. here in the United States. Yeah. It's not a ban. The non-ban. Mm-hmm. Um, many people are completely in favor of it in saying that anyone, why are we sympathizing with the enemy and yada, yada. I think there's also a lot of misinformation out there. People may not be aware of all of the details of this. For all of those countries on that list that are on what they call a temporary mm-hmm. suspension of travel, I guess you could call it, if it's not a ban. It's a sim- temporary suspension it's of travel. It's so silly. This is uh, supposedly something that will resume when they have reviewed the security measures in place for vetting people. Mm-hmm. But for one country, it's permanent. And that's Syria. Yeah. There will not, there is a permanent, this is a ban, mm-hmm. a permanent ban on Syrian <clears throat> refugees. Right. Now that's different than, that's not the same wording as a Muslim ban because some of the refugees are Christian. Mm-hmm. Some may be atheist. I mean, who knows? I know, but isn't there a, there's a... A box to check in the vetting in the new vetting process, and that is not even really approved yet. All these executive orders have just they have to be approved, but it asks about your religious. Well, they're supposedly background going to give preference to Christian, to Christians. So how is it not a Muslim ban? Because it's not a one hundred percent ban on Muslims. Well, from Syria, apparently, it is a ban on all Syrians. So mm-hmm. if you're a Syrian mm-hmm. refugee, no matter what your background is, apparently, then you're not going to be coming here. Mm-hmm. And the the precedent here, I guess this is due to two Syrian refugees who entered the country to Kentucky and were found, I guess they were conspiring mm-hmm. uh, to perhaps do some type of terrorist activity. It wasn't, it wasn't complete. There was no activity completed, but... Right. But I guess they were found out to be uh, terrorists and they were, or suspected terrorists, and they were deported. But I guess they were either put in jail or deported. But this caused the fear Mm -hmm. that our vetting process isn't thorough enough and that people were getting through. What I have a really ridiculous hard time with Mm -hmm. is little kids. Yeah. I have a hard time with the little kids. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Little grandmas and little babies, I feel like they're not a danger. Mm-hmm. They should just be able to come here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a vetting process for 80-year-old women. Or infants. Or infants. They should just come here. There are many people who want to have a family that cannot have a family. They should be given the option of accepting these people into their family. Well, there are a lot of churches, synagogues, Mm -hmm. uh, mosques, all kinds of uh, interfaith religious communities that are helping, I guess, like almost like sponsorship, Mm -hmm. helping to, you know, bring a family and financially foot some of their needs and help them with acculturation and getting integrated into the community Mm -hmm. and so forth. And I and many other types of groups as well. This whole thing, I find myself thinking a lot about two brothers that were uh, from Iraq that came to Wyoming area as exchange students when I was in high school. And two extremely nice guys who were like geniuses. They came here and did nothing but excel in our academics. And I think about them a lot when we're talking about people coming here. Because I think they came shortly after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Things kind of got crazy in Iraq, and they just got out. And they found themselves in America in the early 90s, Wyoming Area School District. Great guys. I don't know if they're still in America. I'm going to drop some incredible coincidence and irony on you. You're going to love this. Can't wait. Okay. I'm sitting down. Okay, so we're talking. Okay, so we're talking about... The countries that were not on the ban list, that's not a ban. It's not a ban. They, ironically, are not any of the countries that the 19 hijackers were from on 9-11. And they coincidentally are all countries where Donald Trump has foreign businesses. True doubt. And... And this is not something that's ever addressed in official press, White House press secretary comments or anything at all like that. Well, they ask Spicy about it once in a while. What does he say? He basically says that the list of the countries that they've executed this ban, that's not a ban. Came from Obama. Came from the previous administration as it's just a coincidence. That is a coincidence. That they happen to be countries where Donald Trump's making millions of dollars. Or now Don Jr. and Eric are making millions of dollars and... He doesn't know anything about it. It's all like a big secret. You know, in addition to Jeff Sessions' confirmation today, Mm -hmm. coincidentally on Black History Month, the first day of it, Uh Rex Tillerson, touchdown, full full court press. Look at me with the sports terminology here. (laughs) What sport? Full court press. That would be basketball. Oh, man. How about that? You're on fire. Mm-hmm. This girl is on fire. <laughs> yeah. Rex Tillerson. Yep. Official. Secre- Rexy. Secretary of State. I kind of figured he would eventually get through. I thought he was going to have some more Obstacles. complications than yeah. he did. No. No, like, today a lot of things got through. Just like, Right. right through. And what are we talking about most? What's the news talking about the most? Well, on a day 
when the, the new Secretary of State was announced, mm-hmm. Jeff Sessions' confirmation by the Senate Judiciary Committee, coincidentally on the first day of Black History Month, mm-hmm. and huge news after last night's primetime Bachelor, new Bachelor edition. Oh, my God. Bachelor SCOTUS edition. Bachelor SCOTUS edition uh, to announce President Trump's pick, mm-hmm. who is Judge Neil Gorsuch. Or Gorsuch. Or Gorsuch. However you prefer to say it. Yeah. Um, we hear both. We do. We, do. we hear both. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. There's, mm-hmm. there's no... I wish he would say his name. Well, I guess you could go by what the president says, because he announced them. I know that, but then you don't know if it's bigly or big league. (laughs) Is it Gorsuch or Gorsuch? I guess we've already established we can't take him at his word, so what a world. Well, I wish the judge would pronounce his name so that we could hear how he says it, because I don't like to mispronounce people's names. I want to say it how he likes it to be said. In any event, um, we didn't really talk about him yet. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was announced, so so there was the big primetime special last night, and then lots and lots of news about it today. Mm-hmm. Lots of pundits kicking it around right. on TV. Is it, is it a good pick? Is it, is it going to, how is the confirmation going to go? Will it be easy? Blah, blah, blah. And then this whole thing about Tillerson and Sessions. But the big news is that Beyonce's twins, the traffic from the announcement that Beyonce is having twins... Trumped Trump. All day. Beyonce's Twitter trumped Trump. All day. All day. Huge news. H- huge news. Huge. Huge. I have to say I could care less. Yeah, I I know. But that was it. This this is the big deal today. I feel like you might be a secret Beyonce Bay fan. I like some songs, mm-hmm. but I am not like a follow her and her family kind of a fan. I'm not a gossip because I don't really do celebrity gossip. Uh-huh. I mean, there's some songs yeah. th- on the radio or whatever that I would be like, yeah. okay, I like this. You I see know? you driving in the car. Bebopping? With it and you're tapping your fingers on the steering wheel. You that's do? A, that's a thing you do. When do you see me doing I've that? I've seen it. Go figure Congratulations, Beyonce and Jay-Z, on your twins. Yeah. Uh, it would be bigger news if you were having quadruplets. Quintuplets. You know, or octuplets or something. I mean, that would be phenomenal news. You know, the the thing that was most <laughs> impressive to me about the whole story yeah. was actually the image that she put out. For real. She put an image out that kind of reminded me of the whole... The Madonna? Yeah, the whole Madonna thing or the, you know, Virgin of Guadalupe kind Uh of a thing where she's in front of this very colorful floral wreath and she's got, like, green tulle on her head, like a veil. And she's doing that pregnant woman thing where they're, like, holding their belly. Yeah, she's doing a belly shot. If a man with a beer gut holds his belly like that, it turns people off. Pregnant women do it and it's like... Oh, look, she's holding her baby. She's already holding her baby. There's nothing alive in... I think... Who cares about these twins? I think women are... Look, I... Hey, barking up the wrong tree to (laughs) even get an opinion out of me about women holding their bellies, right? Because I, like, you know, I never had kids, so I didn't have that experience. Uh But 
But I think that they're proud of it. Mm-hmm. And men are not necessarily proud of a beer belly, are what they? What are you proud of when you're pregnant? Surprise. I... Sperm met egg. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> I'm having the 50 billionth child ever born on Earth. No, I think that there must be some pride involved in fertility. Because I, I hear, I hear that when you are not fertile, when you're found to be not fertile... Mm-hmm. Like it's a big dip to your self-esteem, and it's it's like a it's a in a very emotional, it's like a negative thing. I can't imagine it. I'm sure it's devastating. Devastating. I'm sure. Thing. So when you are for, I think that's why people show it off. There's got to be something rooted in our deep ancestral DNA, in in our deep this this whole thing about the ability to to multiply. That's like a coup. It's like a Yes. I just I'm fertile. And I so mean, people show it off. That's the whole deal. I think that's the whole deal. I do. So the other thing that was big on Twitter, I'm, I'm over Beyonce. The other thing that was big on Twitter in the last couple of days was this poor guy who happens to have the same name. As Steve Bannon. He is Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Steve, he's actually Stephen Bannon. <laughs> Stephen yeah. Bannon yep. from, from Ireland, right? No, Scotland. Oh, Scotland. Steve Stephen Bannon from Scotland. Who was using the Twitter handle at Stephen Bannon. Right. And, and so <laughs> he started to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine the tweets and the DMs that that guy... Has gotten, and he put on his Twitter bio, your little Twitter bio, right? That he was not. He's like this happily married dad in Scotland, you know, beer drinking. I think his picture was holding a baby. His picture was holding <laughs> his a baby. Daughter or something. Mm-hmm. The poor guy. The poor guy. So anyway, I invited him. Yeah. I sent him a message and I invited him to be on our podcast. I'd love to interview him. I would him. love to talk to him. I would love to hear his perspective on what's going on, mm-hmm. his perspective on instant celebrity, mistaken instant celebrity. The wrong kind of celebrity the wrong to kind have. Of celebrity. Yep. yep. Uh, but I s- didn't hear back, and I this was yesterday, mm-hmm. and I see today the account has been deleted. Wow. He got a couple media mentions, he was covered in the media a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, and and he, all his tweets were like, wrong Steve Bannon, you got the wrong guy, you got the <laughs> oh, wrong man. guy, and today's account's just gone. And I just feel like maybe he'll open up an account under a different name, or maybe not. Maybe he's been, like, scarred for life and he'll never do it again because I think he, he took the heat. And that's so unfortunate. I've been taking a lot of heat lately, too, on my personal account, which I'm not announcing what it is I have had some I've had the trolls after my butt this week well, and it's been uh, you know it's an exercise in patience it is ma- it is making a decision whether to respond or whether to ignore it is uh, clearly not taking it personally because these are people I don't know but it's re- like really easy to be impulsive I think Social media taught us, social media has tweaked our, talking mm-hmm. about DNA. Sure. We've been tweaked. How so? We haven't been punked, but we've been tweaked. Mm-hmm. I think it has tweaked us to be more impulsive. Absolutely. It's conditioned us. Mm-hmm. 
it has conditioned us. Every time you hear a, an, a like a little uh, ringtone or an alert, mm-hmm. or you feel a vibration from your phone, you get phantom vibrations. That's what they say. I get them. You think your phone went off? My phone's on my desk, and I think it's in my pocket vibrating. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my god, I got something. I got to see what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Nothing do. in there. Nothing in there. So you know, it's conditioned us to be really reactive mm-hmm. and impulsive. So I think. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, social media in general, is it feeds that. So somebody posts something and you feel an automatic compulsion to have to reply or respond. Right. Not only reply, but immediately. Like, oh, got to do it now. I got to mm-hmm. put everything down. And oops, somebody sent me a message. I got to do it now. You think about the old days mm-hmm. when a letter, uh-huh. you had to get out a piece of paper Write on it. Think about what you want to write. Write on it. Stick it in the envelope. Seal the envelope. Address it. Put postage on it. Go find a post office box somewhere. Yep. Mail it. And then wait. And if you were mailing it overseas, it could be weeks Mm -hmm. or maybe even longer than that. Sure. And then to get a reply. The other person on the other end may not immediately the minute they get the envelope in their hand, like, go run to get stationery, a quill pen, Mm -hmm. and find, you know, I don't think people ran to to do all this at the same velocity as we run to reply to a text message or a, a social media post. Sure. People took time. They thought about it. Maybe they answered next week or or whenever. And I know that on the rare occasions that I get postal mail, yep. I don't, I'm not like tearing the envelope open and, and like Mexican jumping beans in my pants to go get a piece <laughs> of stationery to answer it. Yeah. I put that off. That's a lot of work. Do you have stationery? Maybe. <laughs> so you still have it. I'm well. I'm like I make my. I'm crafty. I make my own uh-huh. like greeting cards and all sure. that business. You know, I can write back. I think it's also interesting that the it's much easier, my own theory, to be vicious. For some people, because you don't really see the fallout when you insult somebody. Right. Plus, postal mail. You're probably not sending letters to strangers. If you're going through all that work, right. it's to someone that you know. You're not yep. gonna intentionally exactly rip on them. This right? is just a completely different mentality. I don't know this person. I mean, I never do this, but you know, I don't know the person. It doesn't matter. I'm never gonna meet them. I can really double barrel let them have it. And most of these people are people who they don't even have a, their own picture up. Yeah, they've got like a dog or a magnifying glass or a there's confederate a, flag they got something going. there's a great new podcast called can he really do that mm. it's all about the president and his his executive orders no kidding i meant to tell you about it today but i'm telling you about it now can he really do that i think it might be a washington post but i'm not don't hold me to that okay so the whole idea was you know kind of breaking down his executive orders but how did he get elected in the first place because he's doing so many executive orders that are based on what he campaigned on on his platform. And it's the whole idea of trolling. And he basically was Twitter trolling to tens of thousands of people every day, multiple times a day. And creating this brush fire of strict ideology 
we're building the wall. Mexico's paying for it. It's the one up top. Can he do that? Strict ideology. Build the wall. Mexico will pay for it. Lock her up. Blah, 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 blah. And now he's got millions of these people who are involved in social media who are basically just regurgitating his platform that he ran on for 18 months. It's fascinating to me. It's super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Does it say who does that? Did you download it? I want to I give it. them their. I want to give them their proper due. I think it might be Washington Post. We take a closer look at Trump's tweets now that he's president. Unless mm-hmm. this particular episode, let's see, this episode oh, is. is co-hosted by Post reporter Abby Phillip and features interviews. Yeah, their website is from the Washington Post, so it's their thing. Can he do that? Can he do that? Interesting. Yep, it's and great. Th- the episode this week is can he tweet that? Can he tweet that? So it's, uh, oh yeah, it's all about him commander-in-chiefing from his Twitter. What do you got there, Carla? John Favreau. Now, there are two John Favreaus on the planet Earth, maybe more. One is an actor and director. You're talking about Obama's speechwriter. Yeah. What about him? Who has, by the way, is not alone, but is participating in Pod Save America, great podcast. Mm. And he's also the Crooked Media founder. And he just tweeted, I'm sorry, did our president just threaten Mexico? (laughs) No, wait, I'm sorry. Did our president just threaten to invade Mexico today? What? Oh, man. Okay, so here it is. Here's the quote. You have a bunch of bad hombres down there, Trump told Peña Nieto, according to the excerpt seen by the AP. You aren't doing enough to stop them. I think your military is scared. Our military isn't, so I might just send some down there to take care of it. What's his deal? He's like a big bully. A person with access to the official transcript of the phone call provided an excerpt to the Associated Press. The person gave it on the condition of anonymity because the administration did not make the details of the call public. I just remembered a story that I wanted to talk about and forgot. Well, I'll tell you. You know, we do have another story on the technology front, Mm -hmm. and it's our number 10. Trump shouldn't send. I want to be on the record. I don't think it's a good idea for him to send our troops to Mexico. I just want to be really clear. Are you for or against it? I am so not for it. Okay. So we're in agreement on that. We already had things go on with Mexico a long time ago. I thought we did our business down there with with respect to troops and wow. invading. Uh, so. Tell us about the technology yeah, front, Carla. The, on the technology front, a first for the White House. Another day in history. It's And hit. Beyonce was still the news today. <laughs> history is made every day. It's just what gets covered that's important, I guess. I guess. Anyway, another biggie today mm-hmm. was, for the very first time, uh, the White House press briefing, the daily press briefing, included reporters asking questions via Skype. Now, I saw some of this. I know you were sort of bogged down this afternoon. You didn't get to see any of it. No. The quality was really good. Quality was good. Yeah. They had no hiccups, no, issues, no right? glitches. No. You know, everybody... Came through and their mouths were in sync with their voices. Everything was good. My, I have a few concerns about the whole thing. Number one, I felt like 
the body language and the posture and the overall vibe when Sean Spicer was answering their questions that came over Skype is very different than when the person is in the room and asking the question. I had to wonder, I mean, I did see a clip, and Mm -hmm. I had to wonder if these people were cherry-picked and their questions were cherry-picked. It just didn't seem random to me. I don't honestly see how the questions are not provided for them Mm -hmm. because his answers were very quick. He didn't give it a whole lot of thought. He actually doesn't seem like he gives it much thought. He just Period. You know, I think the guys that I've watched over the years as press secretaries, in particular Obama's press secretaries, gave every word a lot of consideration. Sean Spicer just kind of comes out shooting. There's a lot of shooting from the hip. I feel like it sets such a weird precedent. And at the same time, it's kind of where we should be. Why aren't we using that technology? It's cool in a way, but I think it sets a really weird precedent because I think there's a a collegial vibe for those people all sitting there in front of him. Mm-hmm. They're part of something, and he's a part of something. They're opposing each other. I feel more than ever watching those press briefings, which I think we said the other day were like never this televised. There's a lot of contention. Bannon saying the press should keep their mouth shut. Trump has been calling the media the most dishonest group of people he's ever met in his entire life for two years. Considered relocating them out of that room and I mean, into some faraway land. You know, you wonder if they're going to say, hey guys, look how great this Skype thing is doing. You should all just do it from your office. Don't bother taking the trip. Save oh, the, save, like save the taxi money. Like a little bit of test of a little bit of a test. I don't know. It's incredible. Uh, so I'd like to spin just into one quick story talking about the press because this comes out of the press conference. Spin away. Reuters, which some people pronounce Reuters. Reuters. Sean Reuter, I love you, buddy. Reuters, news service, has ordered its reporters, this is so crazy, to cover the Trump administration like an authoritarian regime. Who's saying this? This is on Raw Story. This is Reuters. They are like, Reuters AP are like the news. They're They're, the kings. They're everything. They're the story. The Reuters news agency this week recognized the challenges of covering Trump's presidency by comparing it to authoritarian regimes like Egypt, Yemen, and China. Reuters editor-in-chief Stephen Adler, not the former drummer for the Guns N' Roses, Stephen Adler is the editor-in-chief of Reuters, news service. It's not every day that a U.S. president calls journalists among the most dishonest human beings on earth or that his chief strategist dubs the media the opposition party. Steve Bannon called the media the opposition party this week. He did. It's hardly surprising, still quoting Stephen Adler, it's hardly surprising that the air is thick with questions and theories about how to cover the new administration. He cited the organization's work in Turkey, Reuters' work in Turkey, the Philippines, Egypt, Iraq, Yemen, Thailand, China, Zimbabwe, and Russia as an example of how to report on the Trump administration. We are in a completely different reality within the borders of the United States in terms of the access we get to the administration. And Reuters is quick enough to say, guys, you have to do this differently. We're not covering Obama or W or Clinton. Different technique. We're in a whole different ballgame. You have to approach this from a different angle entirely. 
Among other advice, the news agency pointed out that reporters should give up on the handouts and worry less about official access. In other words, the story that the administration is going to give you in sound bites is not going to match what the president says, what the president tweets. We're not, in the, we're not on the same page. The real news is going to come from private sources that don't want to go on the record. They want to work on a condition of anonymity. Yeah. It's not going to come from the press secretary. We have to cover this in a different way. I think that's fascinating. It is fascinating. I'd love to see, are there, are there reporters, are there journalists that are going to develop good, solid working relationships with Spicer, for example, or whoever? And, I mean, because, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to mm-hmm. be there. I mean, sometimes that position rotates. There's turnover there. There's churn. But don't people realize that they, from the moment he came into the press room and told us that it was the biggest inauguration in history? Mm-hmm. That what he says is probably not going to be the truth. Why aren't, like, I think that's kind of where Reuters is going with this also. Yep. We're not going to get the truth from these guys, so we've got to handle it like... Well, that's the official position, but what the real story is through investigative journalism. That's how authoritarian regimes are covered. It's unsettling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scary. Yeah. I'm going to hit the post button Mm -hmm. now. I haven't been using Facebook very much for quite some time. Yes. And I think I've discussed this before. Yes. However, <laughs> I'm going to post a story right now live while we're doing this podcast yep. episode. I am going to click the submit button. This is a CBS News article. I will link this on our website in our podcast. Three ways to block political posts from your Facebook feed. And this is from CBS News. Oh, boy. It's very good. There's some extensions that you can download for your browser. Mm -hmm. There's some ways that you can delete all this if it's getting on your nerves. Excellent. Hopefully you won't block us. You'll You'll probably save some relationships. Because while you are choosing to listen, you are choosing to listen to our podcast in your own ears, you may not choose to see everything that all of your friends and family post on Facebook because it may conflict with your views. You don't want to see it. Some people might be uh, kind of incapable of having civil discussions uh, when it comes to opposing views. Mm -hmm. Some people can be very civil about it, and you can actually have a real conversation, but it doesn't work for everyone. So if you would like to just... Take a break. You can turn this on and turn it off. So you might want to just take a break for a while from politics on your Facebook. One, two, three. Booyah. Done. I would say it might be a good idea to just take a break from Facebook altogether. I find myself leaning toward that way. I really haven't been using it. I've been just using it for my, for, you know, like clients, professional marketing and yeah. things like that, but not my personal profile. Yeah. I find myself, Very little. I'm drifting over yep. that way. I'm like, if I'm like floating through life in like a big inner tube, mm-hmm. I'm drifting away, away from, from Facebook. Facebook. Me too. And I, you know, one thing, there are a couple of things I do appreciate about it. I like mm-hmm. it when I get up in the morning and it tells me whose birthday it is and <laughs> I can wish everyone happy birthday. We started with politics. We gave you 10 top stories. And now if you're tired of politics on Facebook, (laughs) you can download some extensions to delete it, to to get rid of it and not see it. Yes. It's worth noting that shortly after that, uh, 
rose slash gavel ceremony that took place in the White House. Prime time. Yep. Nancy Pelosi did a live town hall uh, on CNN with Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper. My favorite. Jake. Um, that I think was... You know, it's weird. The town hall thing is... I feel like the WikiLeaks thing sort of blew the lid off. That the pro, the, the questions are like pre-programmed and... I think they generally tried to get away from that in the last couple that they've done. I thought in particular that one woman who was, uh, you know. She was very nervous. Very nervous. Very nervous. And, you know, I don't think generally was like reading a question or had like memorized her question. So they felt sort of off the cuff. Um, There was a guy, too, who said originally I was going to ask this question, but in light of how the conversation's gone this evening, I think I want to ask a more direct, different question. Right. Nancy's eyeballs got like saucers. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what yeah. is he going to drop this on me? This isn't what we talked but about. But I'm going to give her so much credit. I think she was, she got a 10 from mm-hmm. me. I agree. She got a 10. I think she represented herself and her party and elected officials extremely well. People who can get up, and you know, you bounce this off of the president. People who can get up and just talk and it be a fluid through line of a statement that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you're, like, wanting to know where the story goes, that fascinates me. She did, she did extremely well last night. Uh, I thought there were a few high moments for her, generally shocking things. Somebody asked her about that meeting, first meeting congressional leadership had with Trump, where he claimed that 5, 000, 5 million people voted illegally. And she said, you know, I don't generally talk about what happens when I meet with the president. I take that seriously. But since Chuck Schumer's talked about it and all these other people have talked about it, I'll tell you what they said. And then then she kind of wound up talking about it. I believed her when she said she felt sorry for him. It made me, it humanized Trump in a really weird way for me. I didn't expect that emotion. Right. (laughs) Because I don't really feel like he does much humanizing of himself. For himself. But she also came across as very authentic. Mm-hmm. And genuine. But that moment of her saying, you know, this guy leads the free world and I feel so sorry for him that he just can't get over it and just, like, lead us. It's got to be this whole three to five million people thing. It's shocking. She, of course, weighed in on Neil Gorsuch. She did. She was faced by a question from a mother who was emotional, whose son was killed by an illegal immigrant. Yep. And scared that this might happen to other citizens, other children, other 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 people. Yeah, that was a riveting portion of it the night. Riveting. Also, it was riveting. It really was. Really. It really was. And I thought that, I thought that, um, it was dealt with gracefully. And also compassionately. And I thought that the answer was good. Uh, the, the woman wanted to know if someone committed a crime, would they be safe in a sanctuary city? Just proving, and I mean, that woman's story was crazy and so tragic that people don't even understand they don't what understand a sanctuary what city is. is. Yeah. If you're a murderer... You're going down yeah. if they can catch you, no matter where they can catch you. Right. It doesn't make you impervious to the law. You know, illegal immigration 
as part of our workforce and our culture is just a thing. So cities are established where they're not supposed to really judge you on that. Yeah, but violent crime it isn't course. part of that. No, of violent course. Violent crime is violent crime. Yeah. You'd be thrown in jail or deported or both. So she got this question about Gorsuch. Gorsuch. Oh my God. Where she, uh, you know, she found his positions throughout his career generally not aligning with the Constitution. She had a really good and thoughtful answer about it. She doesn't think he's a good pick. She didn't endorse him, which led Trump today to basically say he hopes that Mitch McConnell goes with the nuclear option. First of all, personally, the cherry on top of this for me is that the president is dumb enough to say nuclear option while sitting in the White House. It infuriates me. It infuriates me. Like, what are you using that word for? Why? So the nuclear option basically allows the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, to change the Senate rules and lower the threshold for approval. So right now, our government works with a 60-vote, what's called a supermajority. Normally, a majority is just more than half. You're 51, you're ready, you're good to go. Now they need 60. So this would change it back to the way our just founding... Just a majority. Back to the way the founding mm-hmm. fathers did. It was a, just a simple majority, 51 votes. So there's currently 54 Republicans in the Senate. So if they go with the, quote, nuclear option, kaboom, he'll get It'll appointed. kind of be, like, automatic. Yeah. It's no, yeah. I mean, unless some of them Unless vote, some of the Republicans don't vote you for You know, him. have a, a, different, a different conscience about it's the It's difficult. Things. I think the man's got nice qualifications. In fact, impeccable qualifications. His education, they, they call it his pedigree. He's a very, I liked his, I liked the way he came across last night. At his speech that he gave mm-hmm. after the president announced him, I thought he's kind of like an elegant man. Who, yeah. By all accounts and many testimonials from people, is like a really nice guy. Like he's a like people like him genuinely like him as a person. Which coverage did you watch? CNN. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had NBC on, so I didn't know if they had the same angle. Mm. The whole time Trump was talking about him, did they have all three of them in the shot? Trump and his wife and yes. Uh, Gorsuch's wife. Well, no, wife. sometimes they just had him. Okay, so NBC News must have had, they had the side had view. Had an angle, yeah. So it was all three of them. And this man, Neil Gorsuch, had his arm around his wife the whole time. Yeah. And he I He kept wondered, turning around and looking at her, too, when he would say comments. Like, yeah. He, he would turn around and look at her. And I wonder if any part of the flack that the president and the first lady took for their coldness on Inauguration Day got filtered into that and somebody's saying look guys just like put your arm around her if you can you think any of that's at play there i don't know because he might be the kind of guy that just is that way could be but now we'll always wonder won't we we'll always wonder especially now that there's good speculation today that the first lady may never move to the white house i called that puppy the you did i did i called that a long time ago said she ain't never going to show up there anyway um we've We've wrapped up our yep, I 10 stories. We hit our hot 10 stories. This has been APIL Podcast, where all politics is local. I'm Mike Soupy. And I'm Carla Porter. Thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm.